0: Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. In this interview, we dive into one of today's most interesting topics in the commerce space, which is food delivery. Currently taking Munich by storm and with plans to expand throughout Germany, Knuspa is one of the most anticipated services in the country. I spoke with CEO Erich Kumor about what makes them different, and there's a lot of things that are really different with Knuspa compared to Picnic, Delivery Hero, Gorillas, and the many, many other food delivery services. Enjoy the show. Erich, welcome to the Commerce Talks and Kassenzone uh, podcast. Uh, um, uh, Today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, which is like food delivery services uh, in Europe. Uh, And you are one of the uh, uh, managing directors of one of the most anticipated um, service in Germany and uh, making a lot of noise in the Munich area. So welcome to our podcast. Maybe let's start with a short introduction of yourself um, and the business you're managing, which is Knuspa.
1: Hi, Alexander, and thanks for having me. It's a a pleasure and honor. I am actually a banker by origin, so it's the last thing you would expect from someone who is in charge of managing an e-grocery business, Uh, but I have switched my gears after 25 years in banking to the surprise of my friends, uh, and I'm spending a lot of time explaining that the similarity between the online banking and online grocery delivery is massive. Apart from the physical technology, it's all focused on online presence, fabulous front ends, great applications, very neat neat websites, uh, perfect customer service, all built on on a strong software architecture. So that's me, a banker turned (laughs) e-grocery manager. And uh, I have uh, started Knusper a little more than a year ago. Uh, in summer 2020, when uh, uh, I was asked and offered by the owner of Rohlik, which is our parent company uh, based in Prague and serving the Czech e-grocery business, when I was approached by Tomáš to build uh, the sister of Czech Rohlik in Germany under the name Knusper, which is the name we came up with for the German market with my colleagues uh, here in Munich and it took us approximately 1 year to find our first warehouse reconstructed it for the launch and we launched knusper in exactly 4th of august 2021
0: 2021 4th of august which uh, means you're 4 months now into uh, into the business um, maybe let's start with the uh with the mother holding so so it's it's not a fairly brand new business. You're not start, starting out of uh, out from scratch, but you you can use some infrastructure, software, financial uh, resources from from the uh, Rolik coding. So how relevant is uh, Rolik for the Czech um, e-food delivery market? How how big is it?
1: actually it's a it's a global player you would not expect it from a small country of 10 million but rohlik is one of the world contenders for this model of e-grocery which is a full sale full scope uh, e-grocery business not just a niche player in a in a particular uh, small segment such as super fast delivery or the um, uh, fresh only Uh, there are only very few relevant global players who can master this model Rohlig is one of the very few Rohlig is one of the very few who is mastering it to the point where it is now a darling of investors and it's a 6 year old company it was started in 2015 when uh, um, uh, e grocery business in its home market Czech republic was tiny it was actually less than half a percent even less than the average of european union's average for e grocery was at that year uh, and Within the five years of its existence, it turned the Czech Republic into one of the most penetrated e-grocery markets, where Rohli currently owns 70% 70 of the market share. And it's the most penetrated market uh, along the UK that there is in Europe. Driven by Rohlik's phenomenal business and customer model, more than even business. It's rather the customer model that we like to talk about because that explains why it's, it's a, such an interesting player. And it took a very short time before it became obvious that we can really bring e-grocery from a small niche to a significant game and in in um, uh, Czech republic in cities where rohlík is uh, operating actually more than 20% of customers are actually buying groceries regularly or uh, accidentally um in irregularly with rohlík and they don't go to supermarkets at all or only sometimes and that, what
0: what is the market share then from um, the, from the e-food business in uh, in the in Czech so uh, we have um in Germany, you are calculating somewhere between 1.5% and 2.5%, which is like the online part of the whole grocery market, which is like 200 plus billion. In uh, I think in UK, it's um, close to 10%, if I remember uh, correctly. What is the share then in, in, in the Richmond country?
1: The latest numbers in UK are 55 to 6% of the total. Uh, Dutch is relatively high with 3.5%. Average European Union is below uh, 1%, actually Germany as well. The whole grocery market, which is everything that you buy in supermarket, not just the food, but also the near food, such as Waschmittel and uh, ah, utensils. Okay. Which
0: is it's, like the drugstore business in Germany, which is DM and uh, Rossmann. Cor- okay.
1: Correct, but the, uh, everything that actually sells in you know, decas Littles, it's not just the food, but the near food, as we call it. It's roughly 300 uh, billion uh, euro in Germany alone. And the e-grocery compatible segment in the online part is less than 2.2 billion the last year so it's below one percent and in the czech republic we are now nearing the penetration actually that is in the uk and that was less than one percent five years ago and as i say we now have 70 percent of the market share, and it is driven by what we do because we were the only and first player that could bring the full scope grocery proposition which is something that we really passionately talk about um, which is everything that you expect and buy from supermarkets as well as Everything that you would have to go to specialty stores, local Hofladens, uh, fresh market uh, uh, on the weekends, we are able to combine both elements in a single online offering and deliver it to our customers within three hours. And that is very difficult model to pull through, and we have nearly no competitor in that segment.
0: Um, Yes. so if if I would have to explain this model to to some friends who see now gorillas or other like uh, uh, models, it's definitely like fast delivery that I understand. So instead of like waiting a day or two weeks in the river case, which usually and there's no delivery at all in my region, for example, you can get it like within like three hours. If I order before a certain um, cutoff uh, hour, I I would guess like before three o'clock. Is it correct? Actually, right now
1: we are starting this interview at um, uh, nearly six o'clock. And if you now go to the uh, app or web of Knusper, you could still order for today and it would arrive at your home at 9 p.m.
0: And the assortment is comparable to like Edeka Rewe market or how and and, uh, or how like from size wise, how can I compare it?
1: It's actually better and significantly better which is the thing that differentiates us because yes it is absolutely critical that customers can order on the same day even at 6 p.m. you order and you get it at 9 p.m. but the thing that really scores high with our customers is the assortment because uh, um, you can do your complete and superior with us not just a small niche segment so as I said Everything that you can buy in Reves and edecas, you find with us. And apart from that, you find the best local butchers that cannot be bought in edecas, the best bakers that exist in one place in Munich. The best fresh fish that you would have to go to a specialty store or Italian cheese that are only in one place uh, in a city. And you could get all those things, but you would have to drive to Edeka or Reve and five or six other, six other places to get the complete assortment. And that includes not only specialty stores, but the part that really uh, is keen and um, uh, warm to our hearts is local farmers. Um, So we bring the the best strawberries six kilometers from Munich and we bring them virtually harvested in the morning in the field. And within six hours, we deliver it to customers living in Munich areas currently. So it's this super broad, locally focused, regional food driven uh, assortment.
0: Which which I found very impressive and what a... Don't understand, or what do you need to explain a little bit to me? Is like how, how were you able to build it up so fast? Because if I understand you correctly, and there were some numbers flowing around in 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 in, in our market in the recent weeks, you had like a uh, meeting or like a public re- relations meeting at your uh, warehouse in uh, uh, in Munich, and uh, there you said you have like twenty thousand customers already, one thousand five hundred um, orders a day already, with basket sizes above eighty. 80 euros. Um, How do you manage within only four months to get to all this, um, uh, all uh, these food partners like local farmers, the top-notch butchers, uh, bakeries, so all the other services that entered the market. Um, actually went to the uh, gross system, so they went to like a company like Edeka or Rewe or the big distributors behind and said, "Okay, I need this kind of five thousand products. Uh, um, uh, can you deliver it to me like tomorrow?" So, so how was it possible for you um, to fill up your your warehouse? Or yes, or you have you started like way earlier before August to fill up uh, all the assortment?
1: So first, let me correct you. We sold 1,500 orders a day two weeks ago. Now we are selling 2,000 and more a day, and it's growing significantly week by week. But yes, we started to build our assortment roughly four to five months before our launch. It takes nearly half a year to build this phenomenal range, but we haven't had a single partner who would not be interested to work with us. And uh, that is because... A surprising part that very few people expect out of roughly 520 suppliers and producers who deliver suppliers with the goods for our customers, more than 30% are very local producers, virtually a single farmer, Hofladen, uh, producer of uh, potatoes uh, near Neufahren, um, uh, 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 a concrete uh, 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 baker, Broad Manufacturer Schmidt, with phenomenal bread who have their local production but they really understood the opportunity and liked the cooperation with us primarily because we enlarged the market we suddenly with virtually with few strokes of of um, internet online propositions we made their phenomenal products which so far could be only sold in their local store available to every body in and around Munich, two million population instantly available. So the first is this differentiation. We make it available to everybody virtually from day one. Uh, The second part is um, this is how we built our proposition. I just um, it's a very sad story where it starts with, which is over the last 30 or 40 years, uh, nearly quarter million farmers went out of the business in Germany, and in the last two years alone, ten thousand and more farmers went out of business in last two years in Bayern alone, and that is the impact of the large scale uh, retailers who cannot accommodate small producers, because it doesn't fit their logistics and business model. And we come with the opposite mentality. We are built for our platform, for our online business, and app to be available for the small producers. And we have proven that this is not talk, but reality, because it is already true not only in Germany, but it is true in Czech Republic, Hungary, and Austria. And they saw the phenomenal growth that we bring to the local partners who otherwise would be constrained to their local businesses. So it took us four to six months to build the assortment, but very fast.
0: But how do you you help those local producers to scale their production? Because if I'm looking here at my local butcher, um, obviously, um, he he might have some resources to put on top on his existing business, which is very brick and mortar uh, uh, driven, but he... He, he would be not able to fulfill uh, like the demand of additional like ten thousand customers because there's only limited amount of cattle he can he can slaughter uh, in a in a given time frame. Same like for the bakery. So yes, like a ten percent on top to the existing production that might be possible uh within the uh, within the given like production infrastructure um resource wise with like people um factory space whatever is needed there but 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 how is is it possible like for the local tomato farmer to scale with such a demand and, and you said yourself so just two weeks ago we talked about like 1500 orders now 2000 um 2000 plus which usually cannot be fulfilled with um with uh with local um producer they, they yes they can be part of the basket but they are the smaller part of the basket
1: the beauty is they don't have to scale up not beyond the scale where they want and feel comfortable to scale up uh, one of the discussions that i've had just two weeks ago with what, with, with what was with Herr brandl one of the wonderful farmers who produces small scale uh, um, cattle uh, in a very small numbers but wonderfully clean Perfect production. And uh, we were talking about his scale, and he was asking, so he wants to scale up. And my discussion with him was, oh, don't push it. We don't want you to scale up fast because you might lose the beauty, the clarity, and cleanliness of your production uh, because uh, we know every single of our customers in terms of what their food preference and dietary preference are. And we can target the offering of small-scale producers to the very few customers who are interested in a particular proposition. Not everybody is interested in a very specific type of uh, uh, beef meat that may be relevant to few customers only specifically interested in that type. And we know which are, I don't know, 500 customers out of our 20,000 who really want to get the, the beefsteaks from Herbrandl. And for others, we bring other local producers. So the beauty is that we can target the very small clusters of customers to whom a single propositions from a particular farmer or producer is most relevant. And they are very keen to reward that farmer with a fair price, which is what we match. We match a specific demand for very high quality or specialty food. doesn't have to be expensive, but it's somehow special with the type of customers that are keen to get it. And we look for those niches for every type of different customers. Someone doesn't want to have specific beet, but they are interested in cheese uh, from Italy. Uh, others want to have the best brought from Manufaktur Schmidt. And we see those specific clusters of customers and we bring more and more producers to get what these clusters actually most demand.
0: Um, let's stick with the Brandel example because you you might know I was a cattle farmer myself. Uh, yeah. I had uh, the double amount of cattle from Mister Brandel, also highest quality. And obviously, it's very hard to scale because people on, only want to have the uh, rum steak, right? Uh, but there's lots of more <laughs> you have to sell, uh, like rouladen and all the other stuff like from uh, from the cattle. And he's a small farm, so if I if I read on his website correctly, he says he has uh, thirty to forty like uh, cattle, so he can. Uh, based on this number, there might be like um, five to ten he can sell um, on a yearly basis if he grow out of his own herd. Uh, so, and um, you're getting like two. Um, are you are you able like to sell all parts of the cattle for him? Because that's usually the problem from this local producer. There's like peak demand for certain parts on the best part of the cheat, best part of the cattle, best tomato, whatever. Uh, whatever. So, are you able to? Um, offer this kind of long tail products uh, through your platform, and is there enough demand then for um, let's say flank steak was a part which was not very popular like three years ago. Nobody wanted flank steak, and then somehow it was like in uh, cooking TV, and then everybody thought flank steak is the best part. It's not true. It's <laughs> it's actually it's actually part of the minced meat <laughs> portfolio. But but now everybody wants it. But, but would you be able to fulfill this part of long tail for? Mr Brandel and pay him a better price because right now he's selling like you most likely like 10 kilo 5 kilo boxes of this kind of um, kettle uh uh um and and like smaller parts in his Hofladen um but, but but what is the value proposition here are you are you going to him and say uh okay I will I will buy an option for like the next 5 years production for this many kettle or how does it work
1: Th- that's that's actually goes back to what we do yes we sell it uh it's it sh- translates and shows actually into things one it actually works for her to the point where he's really wanting to expand and i am the one who tells him don't go too fast just go to the pace which allows you to keep the growth and mm. in on the healthy side and it demonstrates on the other side which is that despite we we take all the long tail we have nearly no shrink and compared to traditional players there is very little loss of the food on our side it's Partly because we see the clusters of the customers which are interested. Some, as you say, want the, 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 the filet steaks only. Others are interested in the flank steak. Others take the, the other parts of, of the beef. So we actually are talking to the clusters of customers in parallel and, uh, even though our target group is relatively homogeneous, you've got the clusters that really cover the whole cow, as you if you describe it that way. And the second part is the the reasons why we have very little losses on the food side is because there is a chain of um, long tail settlements that allow us to make sure that very little is thrown out. Part of it is um, customers really love our category called Retelebensmittel, uh, which are the mm. items that by all the projections might expire without being sold and we offer them to customers as a save the food category which scores very high with customers this is not about getting a discount sure the the meat comes with a lower price than normally but people are much more interested at least in our target group in making sure the food is not thrown then just and only to get the discount so that's that's the first step second step is every day we've got the cooperation with the food sharing you surely know how they operate and what we do is uh, since we operate in an industrial zone where there are not many services for our 600 um, colleagues we are operating uh, our own operated food truck where we are actually using the food that might expire in two to three days to cook virtually really great food i go there every time i can because this is a restaurant quality food uh, made to to some extent from from the food that might otherwise later be thrown out
0: yep you know so, so i love the model obviously so it 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 has every all the ingredients that we have been looking for for years and like uh, and um, i've been in in contact with let's a dozen maybe two dozen of this like local um uh, uh local um sales initiatives where they try to connect hofladens and helping um, helping the producers to sell stuff um which cannot be sold uh, because of the infrastructure from Rive, edeka and, and aldi but it almost sounds too good to be true. That's why I'm asking uh, um, this uh, um, the, uh, this questions. So I, I trust you, and there, there might be a lot of truths uh, in it, but I, I, I like I I need to understand it a bit better, especially on uh, with the scale uh, and the scaling mode uh i uh, you are in so growing slow and steady that's a little bit easier to to digest um can you uh can you guide us through like the um the customer uh, journey so when do you order the food that is ordered um from a customer so when is when is it in the warehouse so how do you plan this kind of um inventory Uh, uh, management so uh, what is needed like in order to fulfill this order in the warehouse Uh, how many orders can you put on one of your delivery uh, um, uh, uh, um, cars so because that is one of the um, big disadvantages from other models that there is only like two three deliveries per hours per car which makes the last mile very expensive maybe you have like a better idea how, how to how to work it work it out and obviously if you're working with like local producers um uh, um there's still kind of a, a margin cap right it's we're not in the fashion uh, business you can you cannot sh- charge like three or four times uh, the price you've paid to the producers there's still a limited margin maybe can you guide us a little bit through this kind of process so um, we can understand sure. better how it works
1: Sure. Um, We we have two sets of prices, Uh, competitive prices that are the prices of everything that exists in other places. So if we sell something that you can buy in Reve, Edeka or on Amazon Fresh, we compare those prices virtually daily. We've got the comparison engines that make sure that the products that exist elsewhere on the market are priced exactly to the level where you can buy it elsewhere. Those so to match the-,
0: the lowest price for, but you're not, you're not magic uh, matching it in the uh, from the brick and mortar perspective that, but you match like the online available price. So it's, if, if there's kind of, uh, let's say a kühne cucumber at Rewe online is uh, two euros uh, uh, per piece. Then, and this is the lowest price, then you would match this price in your store. But if Kühne Cucumbers is offered for, let's say, one euro at Aldi, you don't match this price.
1: As is the case, 98%, particularly because when you talk about the Businesses that have got both the offline and online in parallel, 98% the pricing is same. Mm-hmm. Uh, only on very few promotional items, typically the prices differentiate in reality. So mm-hmm. uh, though we compare on the online engines, uh, you get also on competition, com- comparisons to offlines. Mm-hmm. But we also compare to Amazon Fresh, we compare to uh, DM Drogeri on the non-food prices to make sure that actually we match those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the competitive prices. And then we have the fair prices. And that is for the local producers, the farmers, uh, the the regional uh, suppliers. Those that you cannot typically find online, they don't exist in the traditional supermarkets. And there we work with the suppliers to get them the fair price because virtually our raison d'etre starts with keeping and supporting as many local producers on a good stable business as we can because it's a perfect symbiosis if we do not have if we would not have enough local producers specialty producers specialty suppliers who make our assortment so much different to Reve's, Edeca's, Amazon Fresh, we would be just a copycat of online Reve's, Amazon Fresh, and Edeca's. And therefore, this is not a talk. This is our absolutely critical part of the business model. And it's not a short-term game. We are already in this at least six years. And uh, it is working better by a day because it revives the small producers' access to large market without being forced to scale up beyond what they can do. Um, So I'm reassuring you that this is something that has actually been working better day by day to give you a a feel for the scale. We are currently selling about 12,000 items um, uh, in Kusper. Czech uh, uh, sister of ours, who is in the market for five years is selling roughly 18,000 items uh, and the regional part is actually growing because it is like an opening of the new world to regional partners. Even in a small country like Czech Republic is, and the same thing is now happening in Hungary and slowly also in Austria. So uh, it always boils down to the fact that we've got these really specific clusters of customers who look for concrete things, and we can keep bringing more and more local producers under our umbrella. So that's, that's the first part of your question. And then you asked about how we get the food in the warehouse to the customers. So it's important to start with the fact that we've got five different temperature zones. Um, since you were engaged in the food, you might have a pretty good picture. It's the, all the ambient, the dry food that you typically buy in classic supermarket stores, then you've got, um, uh, zero to four degrees for the meat. You've got, uh, up to, uh, six to eight degrees for one part of the fruits and veg, uh, up to 12 degrees for a different part of the fruits and veg, um, uh, the teka and the MoPro milkerai producte. And you inbound them, each of them on a different uh, timeline, because these goods have got very different MHDs, minister and Health Um So we've got um, typically anywhere between um, 400 to 800 different items delivered each day. By far, the biggest frequency is the super fresh fruit uh, and vegetables, followed by the mopro and meat. And that's that's the part of the inbounding traffic. And the important part is then the speed inside. Once you click an order on our web, everything that you have chosen has to be picked and delivered to the packing station in less than 45 minutes before um, uh, uh, your delivery starts. I mean, less than 45 minutes if you want it delivered within three hours. Then it takes less than 15 minutes to prepare everything into packs and for the drivers. And latest, two hours before your delivery, the drivers are departing from our warehouse, having typically 10 to 12 orders, i.e. customers in one route. So not two to three, but 10 to 12 Okay. And the typical purchase by a customer has roughly 25 items in it. Those are the averages. That's if you looked over time, you would see this as an average. So typically, one hour to get everything into the car and two hours to drive it to 10 to 12 different
0: households. And then the driver returns to uh, the warehouse and picks up the next uh, um, orders, right?
1: While bringing back all the plant as well as our re- reusable bags, correct?
0: And is this used widely? Uh, because we discussed this with um, Flash and Post uh, uh, founders too. Um, w- what is like the competitive edge if companies like Picnic or reva Online or you are starting with the uh, with the convenience business, uh, um, uh, beverages, um, com- beverage convenience business? So is this is this used uh, a lot? This beverage uh, part of your business? So are people ordering like? beer water limo um, with your business model
1: absolutely absolutely typically a very very usual order has one or two crates of beer limo spezi coca-cola you name it And uh, 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 the reasons why it's just one or two and and not four or five, as you might see in flash and post, is because the frequency of our purchases is much faster than just the drinks businesses. And therefore, the customers order more frequently smaller amounts of uh, uh, crated drinks.
0: Okay, now, now uh, you might know. Customers of the podcast is listened also by a lot of uh, managers of the um, classic food industry. And if I were sitting in their chair, they would uh, they would ask themselves now: Okay, what what Erich is telling? Yet it's a, from a customer perspective, a very compelling business model: local food, regional food, uh, very convenient, convenient delivered. But you know, margins are kept somehow. Um, the last mile is expensive. You need to pay for this kind of warehouse this can never become profitable. Like it's the same argument they, uh, um, another generation of managers used for um, Zalando. Um, obviously, you don't need to report to those managers, but still, this argument is on the, <laughs> is, yes. uh, is, is on the table. So how can this become profitable because you pay fair prices to local uh, producers you're um you're doing all the logistics um, that is paid by the customer in the brick and mortar channel because they have to drive to the store and and pick up pick up the merchandise um, um, themselves uh, 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 you're not charging higher prices is there a delivery fee included in this uh, business and how much is it
1: only if you order a smaller item than 79 euro then you do actually have a delivery fee small delivery so,
0: fee. but above 80 euros it's free, free. so the yes, three correct. hour services included so and then their main question will be how do you earn money
1: well we already earn money in our home business
0: uh
1: so three years after the business scaled up it became profitable on the bottom line uh uh simply because We don't spend billions of dollars on the very expensive logistical infrastructure. We have one 10,000 square meter warehouse from which we serve the whole Munich and surrounding. And if you compare it to the tens and tens and tens of supermarkets that you would otherwise have to have around Munich, you already see a significant capital investment difference. Okay, that's one part. So the fact is we already proved that we can be profitable in the Czech and Hungarian markets and uh, that is driven by the fact and this is an important differentiator which also de- portrays in germany our uh, average basket is four times bigger than what typically you would see in reves typical reves and edecas we always benchmark to them because that is our competitors not not the online players but the brick and mortars those who currently sell 300 billion worth of goods their typical uh, average purchase is 20 euro ours is 80 Okay, and that gives you a, a scale of the margin. That's that's an important part. And the uh, second part um, or the third part, because I said already we have one warehouse and not tens and tens of stores. Um, the the important part is also to realize that somehow the uh, German market is seeing itself as very thin on margin. Yes, the end prices are extremely competitive. We see. For example, quite a shocking difference to Austria. Austrian prices are significantly higher than German prices on exactly same goods. The competition is lower. uh, The market has evolved differently. But German market is also huge. And also the buying prices on the the large scale shopping, the industrial production, all the Nestles and uh, Procter's and Unilever's. Uh, also have very competitive buying prices. And therefore, uh, uh, while both ends are competitive, the margin is reasonable. This is not a margin which is uh, razor thin unreasonably. And that also shows when you look at the bottom line of the uh, mega players like Erika's, Reves, Lidl, and Schwartz are phenomenally profitable. This whole notion of no margin on German market is is a nonsense
0: at least it's um compared to the overall revenue which is like 300 billion the overall uh, margin out of this market is comparatively lower than the fashion industry or the oh, furniture industry sure. for example but, but, but that's where the low margin argument obviously obviously come, uh, comes from but what what do you think can be can can then be uh, um I think you've communicated a number for 2024 where you want to uh, reach more than 1 billion in in the German market, so in 2024, if we grew with the same speed, uh, we will have like four to seven billion overall e-food um, revenue in Germany. In Germany, I would I, I would guess. Um, uh, you are you are
1: on my optimistic side. Uh, when you look at the forecasts of various industry experts, they typically forecast uh, around three billion. The size of online market in 2024, which I think is too yeah, low, too conservative. Those, those
0: are not the experts. The experts yes. are like Udo, <laughs> me, and you. So it's yes. 7 billion. So we are really fine, who are the experts. So, but um, what, what do you think can be? And we are usually arguing, and, and then you have listened to the Udo podcast too. We're usually arguing that uh, we, we would see a faster share of the, um, uh, uh, a faster share increase in the uh, top uh, cities, obviously, because there are some um, some structural effects behind it. So a city like Munich or, um, or Berlin, where we might see already today a 5% market share, let's be optimistic about this one, um, in uh, three years, so end of 2024, what is your best guess? Where can this market share be?
1: Purely talking on the basis of a best guess, I would expect that these cities would be close to 10% penetration.
0: So at least double the rate from today.
1: Yes, I expect that in three years the market will double in size.
0: And will this be limited uh, by demand or by offer? Because when I remember correctly the conversations with other food delivery services and the beginning of the Corona crisis, there was way more demand, and Okado was a very good example. They even limited the the basket size for for new new orders. You had to wait for weeks until to get a until you get a delivery slot. So um, w- will this be a, a, a bottleneck on the demand or on the delivery side?
1: It's a good question because a model like ours takes some time to scale as in it is dependent on the availability of specifically designed warehouses in vicinity of cities, which are going to be very much competed in the next years. So uh, the limitations on my assumptions will be two how fast uh, players like us will scale and for us we want to cover all urban population of uh, tier a and part of tier b cities within the next two years so it will take us up to three years to get our service available to 30 million uh, germans Um there is roughly uh, 10 plus million households and uh, this will be predominantly urban population um, it is yet to be seen how this model scales up outside to the more rural population. That game is not yet obvious, um, and I believe that the scalability of this model is somewhere in the range of two to three years on a, on a fastest note. So it will take three years at at uh, approximately the fastest pace to get the service available to one third to to half of the German households.
0: Okay, let's go with the seven billion number in uh, in twenty twenty four. The next question I usually get from uh, managers in this industry is, what part will uh, what part will be this kind of new quick delivery services? Let's say the services d- that deliver within minutes. It's not 15 minutes anymore. As I have learned, it's now sometimes 30 or 40 minutes, even from Gorillas or Flink. Uh, but w- w- where do you see um, the role of this super fast delivery uh, as a share of the overall like 7 billion we've just um, announced for 2024? <laughs>
1: Just for the records, I, I don't expect the market to be 7 million in 2024. That that would be just phenomenal growth never seen anywhere in the world. So I'm inclining to expect the market at 4 to 4.5 billion in 24. That would be my best guess. But to your question... Um, e- I often get asked, uh, uh, how is a business that delivers in three hours compete with a 15 minute delivery? And I say, these are two different markets. And I don't know what size the uh, super fast delivery will have. I believe this market will evolve, will be successful. There will be just one winner in that market to be seen over the next two to three years. But I compare it to the physical world. Even in physical world, these two markets coexist next to each other. You've got big supermarkets where you buy your big family shopping, everything from meat to fresh food to groceries to washmittel, And then you've got a corner store with very few items, but available to you in a two minute dropout when you need to buy the milk that you forgot. Gracias or the butter for the Sunday cooking, which is already being prepared. These two segments will coexist next to each other. Uh, what will, I expect, happen to the superfast is that in order to come up with some profitable model, they will be expanding their proposition to become a platform for superfast delivery of non-food, because that's the one of the only two ways available to make profit there. Either you become a delivery service within the city, inner city, uh, for different th- third parties, or and that will happen in parallel you have to price up your goods as the small stores do if you go to the corner store they have got only a few items but they are a lot more expensive because you pay for the proximity and that's so different that it happens on a parallel rail compared to our business which will never compete to deliver in 15 minutes because do you need your full Wocheneinkauf in 15 minutes? No, you don't. Uh, if you get it in two hours, you get what you need.
0: If there's like a company offering me like the same assortment, but within 15 minutes, I guess people would buy it in 15 minutes. But let's see. But let's see. There's no competitor yet to be seen. Uh, on this note, do you see any competition? Because if uh, I was looking into in Knusper, I was reminded at least uh, in some Aspects uh, um, um, on picnic, uh, which is the, uh, which is you building this business at the um, opposite part of Germany in Nordrhein-Westfalen. Uh, yes. But ha- ha- how close is picnic to your business?
1: Uh, it's
0: somewhere in between,
1: uh, because uh, picnic differentiates itself in two aspects that we consider extremely critical. Uh, Picnic's assortment is much narrower than ours, uh, even in terms of the size, Uh, it's below 10,000, and its assortment is just a subset of EDECA. They don't have their own assortment range. It's just the same thing minus something that you could buy in EDECA stores. And that is, if if you saw my propositions, hugely different because if you can get only or less in the online store that you can get in the EDECA next doors, the impulse to go online is significantly weaker okay that's that's one big differentiator Uh, the second one is their delivery model for the sake of efficiency provides no flexibility Uh, if you try picnic you you would know that you wait until you your street is assigned a delivery uh, route and then the delivery happens on a fixed schedule so for example um, uh, tuesday 4 p.m and if you like it, you can order. But if it doesn't fit your schedule, you don't have an option. You have to wait until some fixed schedule, fixed your schedule. But you don't choose when you get your delivery.
0: Okay, okay got it. So I, so I definitely uh, um, can 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 live with this uh, differentiation. Um, there's another differentiation usually made uh, from uh, from expert in the market, which is kind of the um, shopping experience. If if I understood correctly, and maybe I'm wrong here because I'm not living in the Munich area, there's no native mobile. experience. Experience. It's kind of a mobile website I have to shop on. Is, is this correct? So is there kind of a, a plan to have like a native Knusper experience or do you expect people doing their Wocheneinkauf on the desktop, um, so to say, or tablet uh, a website? But I'm not, uh, I, I'm maybe walking on very thin ice here uh, because I'm not living in the unique area. But that's no, what I understood.
1: No worries. We, we, we do have actually native app, a, a standard app. Um, and actually... More than half of our customers use exclusively app to buy with us. Mm. And in many aspects, depending what your preference is, app is phenomenal. Um And as in many online businesses, some people prefer web, others app. But the penetration of app is much bigger than what I have expected before we started, to be honest. Mm.
0: Ah, okay. So, and would you expect uh, with the growth of Knuspa that the exclusive mobile experience, uh, the exclusive mobile usage will increase over time? Probably
1: relative to the total number of customers, while it will grow in absolute numbers, it may actually even decline in the relative uh, uh, sense to the total customers because what you get in business like ours is a a wave of early adopters that tend to be much Mm. more digitally native than the later adopters. Mm. So as the service actually expands to people who are other followers than adopters, I would even expect that the penetration relative to the total of the web might actually be slightly bigger than current
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Let's to be seen. Let's see how how, how the adoption rates um develop over time. And then one last question about your operations in Munich. You said um, you will uh, you have definitely a cost advantage because you're just working from one big warehouse. Obviously, just one warehouse uh, with this kind of growth won't be enough. Like in in a year or so, I guess. Does it make sense in one region to have like one uh, more than one warehouse? Because I guess if you're driving from your warehouse—I don't know where it's located in Munich—but let's say to the other part uh, of Munich, then um, and if I remember correctly from my um, taxi rides in Munich, that's that quite a long distance. So it, it sometimes takes over an hour to, to just get to the other side uh, um, of Munich. Then from from my point of view, that that makes it way harder to earn some money on this this delivery. So does a does a second warehouse make sense from a diff, from a scale perspective in in a, in, in in the future?
1: absolutely and in a in a city of munich size we'll definitely have a second warehouse right now we are located in the north we can cover the whole area but as the density of our customer base will grow we will be building probably within 24 months a second warehouse in the south or near the south area and that will be the case for many large cities um, some will have three so berlin long term definitely three we'll start with two uh, uh areas like uh uh, Köln, Düsseldorf, Essen, Dortmund might get more than one, as metropolitan areas are connected. We will be locating them to different places in in such combined metros.
0: If I were to to uh, to to get a, to give a best guess about your current challenges, I would say it's most likely to get like delivery drivers, people like working in a warehouse, even like finding new warehouses. Uh, um, let's say you want to build a new warehouse in like twenty four months and you most likely have to start looking at it within the next four to five months to find like a space very hard to get right now. Uh, um, then uh, um, getting enough cars shouldn't be a problem depending what kind of car uh, you need. So that's but that's my outside naive expert view. So if you're looking now into your business and let's say financing is not a problem um, at all right now to attract like investors for your business model. So what's kind of the bottleneck what are the biggest challenges you need to solve on an everyday basis in order to keep this growth pretty
1: close you got it very well Um, finding the warehouses uh, is not that difficult Uh, there are choices Uh, what takes more time is to refit the warehouses to our need because that involves the bureaucratic process of uh, approving the, the construction permit which is rather unpredictable in some areas and then uh, pa- particularly lately, anything related to construction material deliveries is complicated because the the, the logistical chains of the world suppliers have been collapsing uh, over the last few months. So uh, while we normally could take as little as uh, six to nine months to go from identifying and contracting the warehouse to launching, it can easily be nine to 12 months these days. So that's actually where uh, the, the scale is uh, somewhat slowed down you are very right that uh, uh, finding enough of colleagues uh, for the roles of pickers packers and drivers in the warehouse is not easy but so far we have managed to find many sufficient channels and in particularly among the, the the colleagues who drive the cars we see very strong demand because it's a flagship service of ours So drivers are, let me call it, the pampered part of our business. And we are uh, looking for drivers who are extremely service oriented, who understand that bringing the food to customers needs to be with the the, the smile, great attitude, uh, uh, very structured uh, uh, thank yous and invitations to customers and making sure that it is actually our embassy our ambassadors to the customers and therefore we pay our drivers very very well so that the job is attractive so that that we can train them properly and so that it becomes a stable job for them so that that pleases me extremely because if you were able to see the ratings of our customers the uh, feedback and ratings of the drivers is the flagship satisfaction source in parallel to the assortment somehow People do not expect that um, the, the colleagues who make their living by driving are phenomenally friendly. And we do, we do exactly that. They do exactly that.
0: How, how so, many drivers are working now uh, for your Munich operation?
1: Currently, I believe it's about 120 and growing fast.
0: And with this amount of drivers, I guess there must be like a pattern of like a um, uh, previous careers. So, and it's a lot of people and you're searching even more next year, same time, it's maybe 300 or 400. So where have they worked before? What, what were it like former taxi drivers working for Amazon delivery? So where do you find uh, this many people that are willing to work with a smile while delivering uh, um, the, uh, the merchandise? Some come from the industry
1: driving for the the typical logistical companies. Many come from taxi and limo services, yet further even come from service industries, such as hotel receptionists, uh, Mm. the restaurant uh, uh, waiters, which are very service oriented. So there is no particular pattern, but often it comes from the industry, but as, as well as service related ones.
0: And um, uh, let's go back to the some of the core questions. We are running a little bit out of time, but there's some questions I definitely need to ask you. Um, the um, in in the core market, in uh, uh, in, in the core Rolig market, how um, how loyal uh, are the customers? Is there is there any churn? Because you said you're like the seventy percent like market share, which is uh, it's must be obviously almost a churnless business because there cannot be like too much competition, but can you talk about like churn rates? How, how loyal are the customer? I guess there's like many happy customers in Munich now.
1: It it, it happens in two very distinct steps. One, the, once the customers typically pass the fourth purchase, there is nearly no churn. I mean, mm. this is the, the, the period between the first and fourth purchase when the customers experience the online uh, e-grocery and they make a decision whether it actually suits them or not. And once they are past the fourth purchase, the, the churn is nearly non-existent, and uh, typically uh, uh, over thirty percent of customers become a lifetime customers, never leaving virtually.
0: What is the reason for the customers that are leaving the Knuspa service? Because that that might answer the question where this kind of limited growth comes from. The question between four, four billion in uh, in three years versus seven billion. So what is their reason? I I guess there must be some NPS questionnaire afterwards, why they are leaving or not returning, there must be something which is compelling.
1: Uh, the, the NPS of our customers is just phenomenally high. It's over 70 points. And if you know the industry numbers, mm. they are barely at 12, 20. The best ones, is I, I the numbers I have uh, received just lately is uh, DM with 41, I believe. Everybody else is around 20. So it's a phenomenal satisfaction. But uh, for those, I mean, it's like with every service. You've got the customers who will fall in love with online shopping. And then you've got segments of customers who just consider shopping a social experience. They may like to go to the store because that's the socializing experience. Others have it next to their work. And in the end, it still is okay for them to stop by on the way from the work. So I would never expect, like in any industry, that 100% of customers switch to online. But there is more than one third of everybody in Germany who will switch over time to online. And the question is, will it happen in three years, 10 years, or 15
0: uh, yeah, it's interesting because that's definitely the the the, the less customers uh, churn, the higher the growth rate will be uh, in uh, um, in the market. So I know where the customers are coming from, word of mouth, and uh, um, I saw some voucher initiatives over the last uh, over the last days. Um, are you equipped for peak demand because now we are obviously going into some kind of lockdown uh, mode again, or will you? close doors for new customers in January, February because you're not able to, to serve them anymore. No, no we, we
1: don't expect we don't expect at all to close the doors. Right now we are running at the peak capacity, but we still manage to deliver on the very same day, with very few exceptions within three to four hours. So we manage even at the high peak, the biggest days are ahead of us twenty second, third yes. and fourth. Yeah. So we will be tested and these are the sleepless nights. Uh, but we manage to be ahead of the curve up until now. And today is already 20th of december so there is a strong indication that we can manage at any time barring any magnificently tight lockdown when people will not be allowed to even leave their homes we will be able to do that and when the peak like this comes we will be tested
0: okay so loyalty i understand where the customers come from i understand how the customers uh, how, what the margin kind of profile is and how you can earn money uh in the future understand because that's something you can derive from your home market right there's a more established business model and you you see how it, you see how it skates even with thinner margins uh, um, because of the higher competition in ge- in germany what is uh, what is your plan uh with, with, an, with an expansions into other cities and i'm asking out of a self-interest obviously because i don't have any delivery service available here in my region i'm not saying you need to move to Kiel area uh, but uh, what is uh, what is what are the next cities on your on your expansion map?
1: Those are cities we already have committed because we have are, are very near to having the the the, the warehouse and f- fulfillment center. Is uh, next is Frankfurt in a few months, uh, very few, very few, just a few. Next is Hamburg in the summer. Then uh, uh, we are. Uh, going to uh, uh, Köln, then the Düsseldorf, then we've got uh, uh, very nice uh, two locations coming at Berlin that might be happening as soon as the next year, and uh, we are looking at few locations in Essen and Dortmund, and that's something that I can see now happening in less than. Uh, 18 months some are coming in uh, two months others in six but all of those that I mentioned would be coming in less than 18 months within the next 18 months we probably will not be able to expand beyond these seven uh, cities we still are looking at Stuttgart mm-hmm. we now see something promising and in parallel we shall be looking at, at the next uh, uh, cities but I have no commitment yet beyond the ones I mentioned
0: and and you don't see any shortcomings in availability of drivers and, uh, and delivery cars or so that that might like that could be like an artificial bottleneck for your expansion even if money is not a problem
1: not yet but it will come uh, clearly will be a major labor pressure in the coming period but we are just now starting to equip our warehouses with a new new generation of automation and that actually allows us to expand at this speed without being constrained by the labor
0: and then one last question: You've talked about uh, high and uh, very high MPS scoring of your customers in Munich. On your on your website, there's like um, uh, um, it, it's hard to find this kind that's this kind of review. So is this kind of an internal scoring? Uh, because I'm not living in Munich. Obviously, if people are listening here, I would be interested in getting some feedback about the the Knuspa uh, the Knuspa service. So is this is is there kind of a public website, a public review setup available?
1: Uh, there are four things that we look at. Uh, three of them are internal. So we measure NPS purely as a research approach, Net Promoter Score. Uh, we every single order that is delivered to customer. Uh, can be rated and nearly 40 percent of all our orders are rated by the customers separately for the quality of food and for the quality of the delivery itself so we get the very virtually live reading if you come and see me in my office you would see every rating coming along my screen where you see both the number assigned to the rating as well as comments from the customers Uh, And uh, the third part, which is publicly available, you can look at the Google Maps, look up at knuspr.de, you will find over 500 ratings by the customers, which are totally independent, totally public. We cannot influence them. So this is as good as it gets to you seeing how customers view us
0: nice it's it's a really cool business sometimes it's a little bit hard to believe that that everything is so cool how how you're telling it because we are looking now and we're searching for uh, those kind of business model now now for years especially with this um local um approach helping local farmers uh, um i'm trying to reach out to mr Brandel <laughs> to get <Please> some <laughs> um, get some uh, get some feedback i hope i haven't forgotten anything so it, it, it was a pleasure having you here as a guest, especially in this uh, peak times now uh, in the evening of the 20th of the um, December. Uh, wish you all the best uh, in scaling your business. Definitely will, uh, will use it uh, when it expanded into the Hamburg uh, um, um, area. And uh, happy to have you around helping the market moving into the online business on the, in the grocery industry.
1: Thank you, Alexander. It was a pleasure to be invited um, and a very nice Christmas to you and to your listeners.